This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Maliha Sayed. Today, we're looking at the culture war brewing in schools around Washington. The largest school district in Washington state is offering gender treatments to students at no cost. Across the country, parents are pushing back on school curricula and policies that pertain to people of color and LGBTQ communities. Some of this conflict has trickled into Washington, where educators and union leaders say they're feeling burnt out by the clashes happening in public forums and online. Crosscut state politics reporter Joseph O'Sullivan talked to some of these educators about what they're hearing from the public, their experiences being targeted by community members, and how these encounters are affecting them at a time when the field is already dealing with a labor shortage. I would be curious to know a little bit about the Edmonds School District board meeting. Were you there in person in July? No, I wasn't there for that meeting, uh, but these sort of interactions have been playing out in the Edmonds School District, I think for more than a year now, with uh, people you know, showing up and questioning how the, the school is treating transgender individuals or in this recent meeting, you know, raising the question is, you know, well, you're building a new student health center. Are you going to give gender affirming uh, medications there and stuff? What are people afraid of when they're hearing about these medications? I mean, first of all, the, the you know, we spoke to the school board president, Nancy Kadem. She says, no, we're not distributing gender affirming medication or anything uh, out of the new uh, forthcoming student health center. But uh, We've had probably for the last uh, few years here sort of, you know, concern rise, especially on the right, about um, gender identity and uh, how that's sort of being welcomed into uh, parts of society a little more than it used to be or, or you know, officially recognized uh, more than it used to be. And so these things are starting to pop up kind of uh, along uh, those lines and, and not just with with, you know, something like question about, oh, are they giving out medication to school, but sort of other issues too you know, laws that's being passed in the legislature or or even um, just more uh, vocal resistance uh, against uh, Pride Month, as we're seeing. Where did parents get the idea that this was happening? Was it just the news that a new health center was opening or did they have any reason to think that these medications were even going to be distributed to students? Well, it's hard to say. We live in an era now where sort of things circulate around on the internet and people get hyped up and maybe you see some news about things happening in another state or another school district, even within Washington. And then uh, people, you know, show up with, uh, with with their questions or their worries. And of course, you know, people aren't very trustworthy of our institutions as much. Um, you know, this is happening right after we just went through the pandemic and school boards and, and schools, especially you had the schools closed down for a while. It caused a lot of consternation. Around that time is when we talk to Nancy Kadams and others, they say, you know, this is when sort of opposition in school boards, you know, people started coming up, showing up to, you know, protest uh, school lockdowns and to protest uh, mask orders for the children. And, and and so that regular thing started happening a few years ago with people showing up and, and trying to put pressure on educators. And um, uh, this is sort of a almost sort of a new iteration of it. Um, or That's what some people say. You had mentioned, I think, at the top of your story that these are issues, confrontations that have been happening for the past year or so. Was that in reference to this particular school district or is this happening in other schools around Washington, these sort of conflicts that are coming up? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think what what people are saying is that down here in Olympia, there's a you know concerned parent group, and they're you know sort of digging around, you know, doing public records requests, or you'll have a teacher or a student in a school district that hears something they don't like about maybe a gender curriculum or. They don't like a policy or the way it's being uh, played out. And so they go back to sort of project that concern. You know, they go to school board meetings, they're emailing teachers saying, hey, you know, what what are you doing in the schools and stuff? And um, uh, the people that we spoke to say, you know, that we just didn't see that as much 15 years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, you might have a little controversy here or there, but sort of this sustained thing, right? These, these uh, political polarizations are sort of so deep in the fabric now of our society that in some cases it's pitting students against other students, teachers against other teachers, and some parents against uh, school districts and teachers. And taking a step back, because these issues seem to be reflective of what's happening on the national stage, what are some of the issues that parents and the public are upset about when it comes to the curricula and policies that they fear students are being exposed to? What are some of the issues they're taking up at the national level? Well, the national level, it's a little bit everywhere. Um, it's a little bit different everywhere. I mean, you know, you've got conservative states that are putting restrictions on what teachers can teach, you know, what, what books are allowed to be read to students or, or accessed by students. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed several new education laws that he says empower parents. Floridians want our school system to be about educating kids, not indoctrinating kids. You know, those things aren't playing out in Washington State for the most part. You know, we're, we've got a sort of a progressive sphere of elected officials and, you know, Democrats control the legislature and the governor's office. So they're not doing that stuff, you know, at the state level. And so here in in Washington, it's playing out more at the local level. I was wondering if you were surprised to see some of the issues come in to Washington. I mean, I'd imagine that there would be some echoes of what we're seeing nationally happening in Washington, but like you mentioned, it's a progressive state. And some of the places that you referenced in your story feel like fairly progressive areas. So I wonder if you were surprised at all to see some of these issues taking place at these school board meetings and online. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, for, for the reason you mentioned, I mean, you know, this this wouldn't be surprising in, in Florida necessarily or, or South Dakota or something. But, you know, when we get to especially Western Washington, right, you think it's a, a very progressive place. But there's, you know, very deep divisions over these things, uh, you know, and, and we, we've seen the culture wars get more heated, right, in the last uh, several years. And that has helped uh, drive things, um, I, I think, all over the country here as well. One person who you mentioned was Sarah Fabiano. Could you talk a little bit about her, who she is, where she was working and what she's been experiencing? She was at the North Thurston uh, School District, you know, down here um, by Olympia. And she uh, helped be an advisor for the Black Student Union there. Um, So there's an example of something that uh, gets controversial when we're talking about gender um, and we're talking about race. Um, You know, she was uh, uh, advising the Black Student Union. They got Zoom bombed uh, a year or two ago with sort of people saying racial slurs, things like that. And she moved school districts, not because of that, but, you know, she moved to um, another school district here. And she received an email from a, a group of concerned parents here. You know, they'd sort of, they'd tracked her down. They'd found her contact information. They knew her prior work history and stuff and said, you know, hey, we saw you switch jobs to a new job. Is that part of any scandal or controversy? You know, do you have any uh, connection with some of the activities in, in this new school district? You know, we'd like to know. So for Sarah Fabiano, you know, she said that was, you know, the first time in her career that she sort of felt kind of targeted, Right. 
that's stuff that in prior years may have gone to, you know, you'd bring your concerns up at the school board or with your state lawmaker, but now there's people sort of targeting individual teachers, you know, saying, hey, we're, you know, we're kind of, we're keeping an eye on you. You know, that's sort of how she felt when she, when she saw that. And so this is an instance where she led the Black Student Union group at another school district, transferred, and because of that connection, unrelated to anything she was doing in the new school district, she was sought out and questioned by members of the community. Yeah, that that was her impression, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about the group that you referenced? It's just sort of a group of um, concerned parents. They supported some school board candidates here uh, this year in Olympia, and you know, they've sort of brought to public attention things that that make them uncomfortable. Um, there was a, a student resource group for students of color, and they weren't going to let white students in, uh, which is, is actually, you know, for discrimination laws, you can't actually do that. So so the school had to back, you know, backpedal on that. And um, so, you know, they this, you know, this group sees something like that and they say, well, that's not following the law. Um, so they've been, you know, they've been pretty organized and they've got a Facebook group and they sort of, you know, they, they let people know like, hey, there's a school board meeting, you know, here, you know, you should come and show up. And you had mentioned, looking at the story, the groups made a concerted effort against teachers around their treatment of race and gender, including by sending targeted emails. What are they saying in these emails? What kind of messages are teachers receiving? So this is the, the group's called the OSD Fairness Alliance for, for Olympia School District. So the email reads, Dear Ms. Fapiano, we'd like to introduce ourselves. We are the OSD Fairness Alliance. We are familiar with the controversy surrounding you when you were employed at North Thurston High and your hasty departure, prompting you to take on a lesser paid classified role uh, at the Olympia School District. You know, When we learned that BIPOC groups were starting at this new um, school district, we wondered about your role with this group. Have you been involved with the formation, planning, or operation of this group? If so, we'd like to know more about your role with the BIPOC group. Perhaps you can help us understand the purpose and activities of this group, how it came to be, and who or who may not be included. Thank you for your time. Cordially, OSD Fairness Alliance. Is it just any kind of conversation around race and gender that feels potentially threatening or dangerous? It, it's hard to know, right? It, it's hard to know, you know, motivations and stuff. But, you know, I mean, I mean, sort of the things that you're seeing bubble up at the national level, sort of with the culture, you know, wars, you know, you know Black Lives Matter month has come up uh, for some groups and some people saying, well, you know, we shouldn't be teaching that. Uh, again, Pride Month even has had pushback. So it's it's sort of, uh, you know, all different things. And it seems like a lot of these groups, a lot of this pushback is from parents, but you also mentioned an instance where students were protesting. Yeah, they had um, in, in June, you know, so so Pride Month, um, there were some students at uh, a school there in Kitsap uh, Central School District wear shirts saying, you know, there are only two genders. And so, you know, there's an example of something that students wear the shirts, other students get upset or concerned, and, and the school board wound up commissioning an, an independent review of that uh, incident. Of course, you know, there's no legal basis to stop somebody from, from wearing a shirt like that. But uh it, you know, it's sort of an example of the of sort of how deep divisions are getting over um, LGBT issues and and issues of race and gender in general. And who's most vulnerable in these situations, or who's most likely to be targeted? Is it primarily teachers, union members, board members? Is there kind of a particular group within the education system who's facing a lot of that 
the backlash from parents? I would say wherever the backlash exists, right, it's sort of touching everyone. Um, but, you know, there's studies saying that teachers are feeling pressure. There was a, a research report by the um, nonprofit, nonpartisan Rand Corporation um, that discussed it was, a, you know, they serve, you know, they, they've got survey material on teachers all over the nation. And, you know, in states where uh, teaching was restricted, you know, um, there were questions there and, and some pressures there among teachers. But but teachers also said that, you know, they feel a lot of pressure from from uh, parents and people in the community over these issues and, and that that's been uh, negatively affecting them. When they're hearing about these grievances from parents and members of the community, are these things that are coming in primarily to their inboxes, on Facebook, or in these school board meetings? What are some of the ways that they're being accessed? Well, I think, you know, obviously at the school board meetings, you have the public comment when students are showing up in schools. There's sort of direct interactions. Um, in the case of Sarah Fapiano, you know, she got the email to her professional email address, right? Her teacher email address. Um, so it's, it's, it's all sorts of ways. It goes into sort of more civic ways, too, where people are running for a school board, for example, uh, because they have concerns. And there was a group trying to get uh, signatures on uh, the ballot for a referendum this fall to roll back a law that seeks to protect uh, transgender youth. Um, and, and there was not it didn't gather enough signatures to qualify for the ballot. But but sort of when you look, sort of uh, these these efforts are sort of you know bubbling up all over. I was going to ask about that because it looks like Nancy Kadams is running for re-election this year for school board. And when you were talking to her about some of these pushbacks against what's happening in the schools, did she bring up her election or re-election or any concerns that she has about being impacted? No, she didn't sound too concerned. I mean, she and, and other people say that this isn't necessarily a huge segment of society. Uh, it's sort of a narrower group of people that have concerns and you know, we have a little bit of you know, when you you always look to elections, right, as a way to sort of as a as a gut check on on what people support. Um, so when we think about uh, this referendum I just talked about didn't qualify for the ballot a few years ago, there was an effort to um, put an initiative on the ballot to uh, put restrictions on where transgender people, you know, bathroom laws and stuff that didn't qualify for the ballot. In 2020, 58% of Washington voters uh, approved a comprehensive sex education law in a ballot referendum. So, you you know, that's sort of one indicator. Is, is this really catching on with a wider group of society? And, um, you know, by those metrics, it hasn't. So Nancy Kadams and others says, this, you know, more sort of a narrow group of people that are, are really hammering on these issues. And thinking about some of the educators and members of the education system who are getting pushback from the public, are they feeling protected by the schools? Do they feel safe when they're hearing these sorts of comments and this sort of hostility from members of the public? The people involved in knowledge, you know, these groups are, you know, they're not threatening violence. They're not, you know, they're they're being respectful in their dialogue. But the, the educators say, you know, yeah, it has a, it has an impact on them. Did you get a sense that anyone's concerned about the education that students are receiving as a result of some of these these conversations? Or is anyone worried about how students are being impacted in the middle of all of this? Well, you know, I think that's a matter of opinion, right? If you, for, for the people who are protesting, um, things like Pride Month and Black Lives Matter Month, you know, they're, they have their own set of concerns about their students. Um, and, and then when you talk to, you know, teachers, for example, like Sarah Fabiano say, well, 
And we're just trying to, to teach in a more inclusive way that recognizes that, you know, there are many different types of, of people in the world and many different types of family configurations. And, and those teachings are designed to make people feel like they they see themselves reflected in these things. And so everybody sort of has a stake, right, in, in, what, in, in what's going to be taught to, to children. In the case of Sarah Fabiano, she said that, you know, it's sort of now a consideration. Like when she has to, when she thinks about another job, she's going to think, well, you know, is it worth it? Any career is difficult and educators face their own sort of pressures uh, for burnout. And there's been, you know, teacher shortages for years. And so she said, you know, that's something she's going to factor when she thinks about future work. You know, we have this sort of broader national culture war that's fueling some of these divisions. Um, we'll have a probably a very heated presidential campaign next year, and people will be getting amped up about that. And and we've seen that. You know, we we've seen variously when you look at numbers. Um, you know, we've seen rise in anti-Semitic instances. State data shows that there's been a rise in hate crime against uh, um, people focused on on their gender. And their gender identity. So, for example, I think it was 2013, the first year they started tracking that specific figure, there was one hate crime in Washington State. And now we're nearing uh, 50, I believe. These groups that we're talking about in the story are, they're not threatening people, they're not, you know, they're not calling for violence or anything. But but it's just another indicator that there's sort of this rising tide of, in some cases, maybe it's concern, in some cases, maybe it's intolerance, you know, the, these things are all sort of moving uh, in a direction. Did anyone you spoke to indicate any potential solutions that they see for this issue? Any potential ways that they can help people see eye to eye or sort of close that division a little bit? I I think people are wondering about that. Um, And and I think everybody just thinks that, you know, things are probably going to stay sort of elevated. Temperatures are going to probably stay a little high through, through next year. Um, so I don't think anybody sees sort of a short-term solution or a short-term way to to figure things out. What are the long-term implications of these sort of confrontations, conflicts? What does that mean for teachers in Washington and educators in Washington? They'll probably have to keep, you know, this in mind that this is, you know, this sort of roiling thing in our, our culture is going on and uh, it'll, it might be with us for a little while and um, they'll have to just sort of take it in, into account in their jobs and their lives. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Joseph O'Sullivan. It was produced by Scott Michael and me, Maliha Sayed. The story editor and executive producer was Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docuseries we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Malia Hasayat. We'll be back soon with another episode. 